Boy, are they in for a surprise. Hey, we're going to talk about dog farts and cat piss today. March 29, 2023, and this is Rare Encounter. Encounter number 139. Uh, the Defenders, 6-0. I can't believe it. Such a wonderful day. I'm Abel Kirby. And picking up parcels of plastic, I'm Cold Acid. And stepping outside the IRC for once and actually behind a microphone, I am Serpent. Serpent here as a special guest welcome. today. Yes, welcome. Yes, we yes, finally... thank you for having me. Finally got you in here. Uh, this has yeah. been a yeah. long time coming, I'm a, I think. I'm, I'm a little too excited to be here. Mm. <laughs> so, I took the whole day off for work for it. Don't worry, you'll be disappointed <laughs> soon enough. It doesn't last long. Wow, we had all kinds of um, all kinds of stuff going on, but the, the main thing I was doing, I'm, I'll update y'all with what I was doing, watching XFL. I've been having a ball yeah. with this. And... and XFL, my favorite thing. I must have talked about it on the show before, but the audio is amazing because they have microphones everywhere. You can hear people just yapping at each other on the sidelines. There's people swearing. They they bring the cameras into the uh, into the um, like the halftime kind of the coach is talking to the team and he's trying to give them a pep talk. The cameras in there, and so you get to hear all this stuff going down. And he's swearing at people. It's great. It's it's absolutely fantastic television. So. Football the way it's meant to be. Yes. Oh, I heard a uh, bottle open there. Who opened that bottle? Yeah, that was me. Ah, what'd you get? It's mango flavored. Ah, one of these. Haritos! <laughs> yes, Sir, Serpent. Serpent, what are you up to? What do you got to drink tonight? Well, mine is fruit punch flavored. Yeah, another one? Haritos! Like I'm getting double teamed here, double Mexican. The man knows his show. <laughs> well, I I I actually like s- secretly uh, drink a Haritos for every show as well. <laughs> oh man, after so, my own heart. This is yeah. Follow along at home kind of stuff, or yeah, pretty much. Uh, all right. That and and why not? Uh, so uh, my. Uh, local uh grocery store they they sometimes sell uh these boxes these haritos fiesta pack boxes and it's one of uh each of like the 12 flavors that they uh that they that uh haritos makes okay can you name all 12 flavors uh not off the top of my head (laughs) let's see uh lime fruit punch Punch. mandarin mango there's guava. Cola. There's guava for sure. Yeah, guava. There's guava. Uh, passion fruit. Mm. Uh, we got a couple fruit. Couple we got to get on the show. I think. Uh, some of them. Yeah. Some of them they just don't have at my burrito place. Oh. And I can't. I can't eat or drink grapefruit. Mm. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't figure out for, for medical reasons so yeah i understand i must have told my grapefruit story on the show before with benadryl i won't repeat it but it's uh grapefruit is a very strange it has a strange molecule inside it which changes the uptake rate of certain drugs gets you stoned off things that usually don't bother you at all yes <laughs> so 
Well, uh, we got... Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't think my particular medication would get me stoned if I <laughs> had grapefruit, but I probably would get terribly sick. Mm, that's not good. So what have you been no, up to, Cole? No bueno. Besides not drinking grapefruit sodas. I've been going nuts with with JavaScript. Okay. And today, I mean, you heard what I said when I introduced myself. Today, a big box of plastic arrived here, and yeah. I carried it down here to the basement. It is the fourth edition of the Dungeons and Lasers stuff, <laughs> which includes the yeah, rollout uh, mats and a bunch of other stuff. So I, I'll put the I'll put the link to that in the notes. But uh, yeah, I you know I I collect this tabletop gaming stuff and. Because I'm a nerd! <laughs> and you know what happens to nerds, right? They get laid. I get wish! <laughs> <laughs> Even I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we've, uh, this is a safe place for nerds. I like by moon rocks. We had uh, these lasers. Um, I'm sorry, I completely forgot what the name of it was. Uh, the Lasers and, and lasers. Dungeons and Lasers. Uh, you had that on the docket before, and I think you had some pictures of the first go-around. Did you get new pictures? I haven't. I've I've opened up the top of the box, but that's it. I haven't actually unboxed anything yet. Okay. Um, let's see. I haven't been up to much. I mean, I've been watching DC uh, Defenders uh, sweep. They're now the last undefeated team in the XFL, and uh, that's been my main, uh, my main muse lately. Um... Uh, I did watch some movies. Maybe I'll mention a movie later on, uh, some old movies. Uh, Criterion Collection kinds of stuff. Serpent, what are you about up to? Get us, get, uh, tell us what's going on over there. <laughs> tell us what... Okay. First of all, speaking of tabletop stuff, uh, I actually uh, did get a, a tabletop game a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called uh, Puzzle Strike 2. And uh, it's it's loosely based off of uh, an old SNES game that I like, Tetris Attack. Okay. Or at least that's that's how it it, it was uh, released in uh, North America. I've heard of uh, Tetris Attack. I'm not I haven't not familiar with this uh, tabletop game though. How yeah, what is it? Like, I've tell never me heard about of it. Either of them. What is it? Uh, is it like a card game or is it you? Uh, you know, it's pen and paper Tetris. It's. You play it on it's a kind piece of, of graph a, paper or what? It's kind of a combination of a board game and a, a card deck building game. Okay. So you you start off with with uh, a deck of just like basic cards and a couple of cards based on a character because what they do is they have a bunch of different characters and they have three different cards per character. Okay. And that's how you start your deck. Uh, and then you and then as you go along. You uh, you build up gems on a stack. Okay. So they have these like tactile uh, gems that you put on a stack, and then you have this uh, you have this uh, mechanic called a crash. And what you do is you take the the top gem and then any gem of the same color below it, and you send that many incoming gems plus a bonus if you have more than one, to your opponents. So uh, it's a, come on, tell me, what's the, what's the high-level goal here? Are you trying to get rid of your gems then? No, yeah. the, your, your high-level goal is to make your opponent's stack 
so high that they lose. Okay, okay. And are these, are the cards or the gems, are they uh, like the classic Tetris shapes, like the I and the L and the J and all that? No, 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 no. The, the, all the things on the cards are all different actions. Okay. Like you can either uh, swap the position of, of two uh, adjacent gems on your stack, mm-hmm. or set, or there are a couple of actions that you can uh, swap any any two gems uh, in the stack. Uh, regardless of that, uh, you can uh, also crash from the middle of the stack if you want. You can draw cards, take cards from a from the uh, bank in in the middle f- for all the players and uh you know or you can just make your uh opponent uh do a bunch of stuff like anti-gems or put specific gems on their uh on their stack and whatnot okay and there's uh there's a epilepsy inducing scepter Okay, well. there we go. That's what I want to hear about. That's the epi- I'm looking for the nugget, right? So, I'm looking for the thing on, I care about. You want, you want to know how I build my deck? You, know, you want to know how I build my deck? How? I look at sexy suits. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, and, and with the scepter, you... So you can kind of... So if you don't have the scepter, you can kind of block the incoming gems at the start of your turn, but if you have the scepter, you can't. Okay. But... At the at the end of everyone else's turns, if you have the scepter, you can either charge up uh, with these sort of like side superpowers hmm. that also does stuff, or you can hand the scepter off to the person who just played, and then they can uh, they can get wrecked <laughs> if possible. Do they get to have a seizure too? It's a well, pretty pink scepter. If you want it. <laughs> oh, boy. So now, Car- Carolyn Blaney posted in the chat a link to the Board Game Geek page for Puzzle Strike 2. Puzzle Strike 2. And it has two. a picture showing you all the stuff. And yes, that is a... It is a scepter with a, with a big pink jewel on one end and what <laughs> looks like a, a, a silver bowl on the bottom end. And... Yeah, um, swing that around a few times. Yeah, unfortunately it's plastic, so it probably breaks all too easily, but mm. it, it does light up. <laughs> oh, this looks like a fun uh, fun game, lots <laughs> so of tactical stuff. Yeah, it is fun. Puzzle Strike 2, huh? Yep. All right, well, we got some uh, material to get through before we really start the show. We got a uh, shout-out to rareencounter.net, that's... The sh- that's us. Wait a minute. Where that's where you can find out more about the show. Uh, we do this live on the No Agenda stream and the Rare Encounter stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can find our RSS feed, listen to old episodes, and uh, links to our chat room. And just go head to rareencounter.net. Uh, we also have a way that you can send sats our uh, our way uh, using a podcasting 2.0 app. And some people uh, decided to do that. During the pre-show, yeah, we have we have two people in, among three boosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start off with our executive producer for tonight, who is once again Carolyn Blaney, and she sent in tonight the amount of eighteen sixty-seven times ten. Mm. Uh, so what's that? That is one hundred eighty-six eighteen thousand six hundred seventy sats with the message Confederation boost. Oh, hi, Serpent. 
And hi, link Carolyn. to the the room soundboard. Oh, hi, Johnny Clip. Oh, uh, hello. Yep. You're my favorite podcaster. <laughs> no, thanks, Carolyn. We appreciate that, as always. Uh, the support for the pre-show is great. Uh, that was 26 minutes ago. That was definitely pre-show. And then I see two more, yeah, that came in right before. Yeah. Two, two each of 88.88 sats from Servo for a total of... 17,776. Yep. And he sent a message with one of them to say, Octoboob. Octoboob, indeed. Well, thank you, Servo. And thank you, Carolyn, for being our executive producer. And what were we calling them? Like the, the tool man or something? What, I can't remember what stupid name we came up I for forget. last week. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of additional boobs, I was, I was going through some episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation recently. Okay. And two, two of them that I, or what, at least one of, yeah, two of them that I watched uh, had this, uh, had this Dojiko character in engineering who was originally planned to be a love interest for Geordi LaForge. And then she appeared in Total Recall with an extra breast and was never called back again. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, the, the, I didn't, the actress uh... who was the who played the triple-breasted whore in Total Recall <laughs> was also this uh this cute uh clumsy girl in engineering. Hmm. Who knew? You got to yeah. check them folks. You got to check them. Make sure two, not three. You got to check. Hey, them. what's wrong with the third one? I mean, one for each hand and one for your mouth, right? Three <laughs> boobs is perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to do some stories today. Uh, we got to jump into something. I've got a couple stuff, uh, things to kick us off, if uh, you don't mind. Because uh, Go right ahead. breaking, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe we won't do that right away. Uh, we got scan of the month. Ooh. New scan of the month I like is out. Scan of the month. Yeah, it's a little fun thing we like to do on Rare Encounter. Scan of the Month is a website that does. Uh, they publish CT scans, cross sections of everyday items uh, that you can, through their UI, um, rotate around and kind of see what's inside. There's a more sophisticated UI you can access and, uh, through their web page. You get you have to sign up and make an account. But Scan of the Month just basically posts. It's essentially a pop science article talking about how some of these things work with some really intriguing graphics. Uh, and the stuff that they were showing this week, or this month, I should say, was um, shaving stuff. Razor blades, cross-sections of razor blades, electric razors, stuff like that. I'm going to drop that right in chat so people can uh, yeah, follow so along. Going through this, it starts off with, I'm your Venus, <laughs> Gillette Venus cartridge razor. Yeah. So that's one for the ladies. Wow, well, you uh, know. Philips Norelco electric shaver. Now this one's kind of cool. I took some um, some screenshots of that, and uh, at least one of them, and I put them in the show notes. Uh, Serpent, have you been able to to review any of this? Uh, any of what, like the scan of the month stuff? Yeah. Did you? I, I know I sprung it on you right before the show, but I want to make sure I don't leave you out of the conversation here. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, but I've seen this uh, picture you have in the show notes that looks. Kind of like a like a toolbox. <laughs> That's the close up of the three head um, electric shaver that Philips Norelco one cold acid was uh, was saying. Huh. And it's actually a cross section, and so those like two little oh, bits on I the can top see it now, right? Yeah. Those are the yeah, foils. Yeah, I can see it now. 
and you can see the motor shafts and everything underneath, and uh, this is a pretty, pretty sophisticated plastics design. I wish it had more detail on the motor itself, because it just, uh, it looks like a big green blob in the center of it, right? Yeah, it's, they, they don't but quite I mean, do a cross-section, so you can't see the, um, the windings, and I think it would be cool if they yeah. cross, cut through the windings so you could see, you know, hopefully that, that level of detail would be impressive, you know? Because those mm. motor windings are very, very thin wires, usually. Yeah, you get a, and I mean, it... You gotta pack so many I mean, in there, like, you know? The motor is like a transformer without a second winding, right? And with the mi with the core loose so it spins around. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. Now, I did learn something that I did not know as I was scrolling through these. Uh, I saw... Would that the, be the epilator? The epilator, exactly. Cold acid, did you know what an epilator was? No, not until today. This is... What about you, Serpent? I have to... Absolutely not. <laughs> and this thing is horrifying. <laughs> it is it, a... It looks uh, horrifying. <laughs> it's an automatic tweezer kind of machine. So uh, it has a... It has a screen on the top that uh, presses... Or a foil that presses against your skin. And then it has little holes where the... Uh, where the uh, hair is supposed to stick through. And then it has a bunch of little spinning tweezer things that just pluck. And the cross-section makes it just look nasty. It looks like some kind of medieval torture device. It looks like something they'd Jesus, yeah, they'd pull like, out, you know, they'd shove up Conan the Barbarian's nose or something, like, the, to torture him. It it's, looks like like a bun it's like a bunch of nasty-looking discs that would, like, like spin around and slice you up. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of looks like the hairs are already in there. Like, it's already been used and then scanned through mm. a little bit. Well, when you start, yeah, it looks like the blades themselves look like they could be... Well, not blades, but, like, you know, the... The tweezer blades look like they could be a bunch of hairs. Let's just call them Satan's fingers, and because <laughs> it sounds like Satan's really Satan's fingers—that's a good name for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this is a new technology from the '80s. I've never heard of this. I'm gonna look at chat. I, I bet there's some of our uh, wonderful uh, female listeners are, are telling us that this has been around forever. The auto plucker says servo. Yes, I think it's the auto plucker. <laughs> Oh, uh, geez. So, no, this is cool. I never even thought about it. And I, I like that when you go through the cross-section, as it's rotating, you can kind of see which shafts are coupled to which um, of the uh, Satan's finger discs or whatever they're, you know. The uh, final thing in there is a can of shaving foam, <laughs> which is... And yeah. looks like it looks like what they do is a sent... They take a bag of uh, of the of the cream gel mm -hmm. and they stick it inside there and then they fill it with compressed air. Yeah, it's not sophisticated. Uh, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's not one of the. It's not a sophisticated sort of uh, uh, like whipped cream or something. It's just a. It's just a fucking bag. Yeah, it's a baggy inside. There's no like propellant, extra propellant tube in the side no, or any of that just, fancy uh, stuff. It's just compressed air. It says. Mm. 
Oh, well, that now, was... In this bicompartmental can, the shave gel formula is packaged into a nylon bag and kept separate from the propellant. With shaving cream, there's no bag, and the propellant combines with the product to foam upon release. Oh. It's not a good idea to cut open a can like this, <laughs> since the propellant is packed in there at two to eight times normal atmospheric pressure. Oh, Good no. thing CT offers a safe way to see inside. Mm. Now, one of the things I never liked about the shaving foam where the propellant mixed in is it comes out cold because the, of the pressure. Yeah. And so you're looking for a hot shave and instead you get a freezing cold gel that closes all your pores anyway. So not a fan of the, uh, the aerosol shaved, uh, shaving the best cream. Way, the best way to go is good old fashioned, uh, shaving soap, make your own lather. And this, of course, this cross-section begs the question, if you wanted a gel, why do you need it in a can? <laughs> Since you could just squeeze the bag yourself. Uh, anyway, now we're asking too complicated a question for marketers. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the poor marketers, you ask them that their heads will explode. Yeah, marketing, you do, do you really have to use your brain in order to succeed in marketing? I think you just have to like uh, tell people what they want to hear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Let's see, we had... I got some other stuff we could go through. I've been following Neo Leo. I mentioned Neo oh, Leo yeah. on the other... Uh, Neo Leo. Neo yeah. Leo. This might be good for some yucks. Rich DeMuro. Uh, yeah. No, what I'm just a, calling him Neo Leo. I'm just calling him Neo Leo now. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say his name anymore. So Neo Leo uh, has some great just tweets that I, I just think they're packed full of wisdom, okay? And I want to bring it to the show because I think it's kind of fun to talk about. Uh, this is, you know, the, the protege, the replacement for uh, for the tech guy, Neo Leo. He, I, I, it's just some selections. Okay, I'm just going to read his uh, some tweets for you, okay? You ready? Are we all ready? Go ahead. All right, here we go. Yep. Neo Leo says, how do people drink from wide mouth bottles? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Neo well, they stretch their mouths, I suppose. Yeah. Neo Leo says, with so much AI scanning every detail of every photo, article, and video, is there really any need for hashtags, keyword tags, or any descriptors in general anymore? Neo Leo. Bravo. Like, he's, it's, I mean, just because, just because, like, everything is going through the Google panopticon doesn't mean that everybody has fucking access to to it right descriptors like, does this guy not does this guy not think he th no well, he's actually saying, looking at these obviously no. he does not descriptors think. are obsolete when did this happen <laughs> A, because of ai scanning keywords should Apparently we don't need on them March anymore 17 uh, maybe he's drunk Hey, there's that. That might be it. Maybe it was, let's is read he, another one. Is he? Is he really one of these people who thinks that just AI is going to just do everything? AI is going to be your brain. We don't need don't descriptors need in general anymore. Not descriptors <laughs> for some databases. We don't need descriptors in general. Neo Leo says. Yeah, <sighs> this is this is beyond even CSB. Mm. Here's a good one. I like this one. I Neo Leo says. Also, I hate paying eight dollars a month for Twitter. But I do love being able to write tweets as long as I want without worrying about going over the character limit. That's really the best feature. It's a mini blogging platform now. <laughs> Christ, Neo Leo. Well, it used to be called a micro blogging platform. It, yeah, it. Massively multiplayer online RSS feeds. And 
so if you parse that, re- I, I hate paying $8 a month. He's basically saying, I don't like paying, but I do like what I paid for. Yeah. So you what, know what? Like, what's if the he point? wants that without paying, there's plenty of Fediverse instances running Pleroma or other software that give you 5,000 to unlimited characters per post. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to pay the $8 to Twitter for that. Yeah. But do we really want him here on the Fetty? It's a mini blogging platform now. It used to be a micro blogging platform. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, it's like how we went from mainframes to microcomputers, but in reverse. So first, first, first you have the micro blogs, then you have the mini blogs, then you have the full size. Wait, we already had the full size <laughs> blogs, didn't we? The blogs and web logs. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, here's we, we already ha- we already could just you know throw up some HTML, throw up whatever words we want to do anyway. But no, we need we need a uh, an extra system just for well, yeah. The the problem there is the problem there is that uh, is that rank retards like this guy don't know what HTML is. They oh, they yeah. wouldn't even know what to do in front page. They probably barely know how to use Microsoft Word. <laughs> probably. And of course, and of course, his his uh, his handle is rich on tech. So mm. that'll tell you that tells you how much you know tech he actually knows. Well, here's his last Neolio last last thing he says. Is it just me, or does holiday candy get better every year? And I think that's really uh, the most straightforward tweet that he's put out. <laughs> Except the pics are there. None of that is none of that is holiday candy, is it? No, if you look closely, there's some ra- there's like some lint boxes, there's sour patches. Yeah, it's yeah, not I, like I, it's I, Easter, right? It's just candy. It, yeah, it's just it's all year candies that he's taken a picture of. It's not holiday candy. Well, this then, guy's holiday a fucking can- clown. And even then, holiday candy is just uh, regular oh, ass sorry, candy I mean- that is just you know, repackaged into some fancy shape and say, oh, it's for, it's for the holidays. Mm. It's, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep bringing the Neo Leo. I happen to enjoy these, uh, these tweets, uh, the kind of the mundane nature of some of them and the anti-thinking nature of some of them. I, I, uh, I enjoy on some level. So we'll, Keep bringing it back, uh, at least until I get bored of it. Maybe if the audience complains, it revolts, I won't. But I think it's fun enough. Um, yeah. s- one more small bit of news. There's some uh, – the shitcoin king got kidnapped in Canada. Uh, There's some guy I'd never heard of. But um, Aiden Peterski, Platerski, however you say his name, some 24-year-old who apparently stole the depositor's money, uh, spent it on a bunch of – stuff like cars and uh, airplanes and then went bankrupt got kidnapped by someone and threatened that uh he's gonna pay it back or something bad might happen to him so this comes at a time when he's also trying to uh fend off the authorities who are trying to recover according to the report 29 million dollars he originally just stole so geez anyway they someone picked him up off the street and threatened him uh, allegedly I'm a little skeptical of this because, as far as I can tell, we just have his testimony that he was uh, threatened, and it could have could be just a ploy. Uh, he's saying he's a douchebag done dirty, but uh, could just be lying about that too. You know, you can't tell. He, he's definitely a douchebag. Yep. 
But anyway, that's all I got. Um, I wanted to leave a lot of space I want, for everyone I, else. I, I have to say, though, I have to say, though, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did, if some of his investors were on the uh, on like the other side of the law, and he very mel he very well might have gotten some investors from Vaughn, Ontario, or or thereabouts. And those are the sort of people who just might pick you up and give you a beating with a sock full of pennies. And if you still fuck up on them, you know, like give you some concrete overshoes. Hmm. Like Vaughn kind of is known for uh, mafia types. So, yeah, straight from Woodbridge, Carolyn says in the chat. Yeah, Woodbridge. That's right. Not Vaughn. Woodbridge. Hmm. VW, they're they're next to each other in the alphabet, you know. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well uh, that's all I got right now. I, I probably got one or two more things to drop in if we get to it, but uh, but I'll leave the floor to. I don't know, Cole. Do you want to get something in before we start, or I, I want to send the floor to. I thought we had started, and yes, I do have stuff I want <laughs> oh, to. We're going to talk about. We're going to start uh, <laughs> some radar talk, I think. If uh... so, why did you get uh, your no, stuff no, in? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Hold you on. Get your I've stuff got, in there. Uh, uh, do, first, do you want uh, do you want television or crime? Oh, I'm all about crime right now. Oh, okay. So yeah, um, you ever heard of Summerton Man? No. It was this. Uh, it's apparently the most famous cold case in Australia. Okay. And it took seventy five years. To identify the guy. Okay. Who was... He was found dead in jacket and tie on a, on a beach in Somerton, which is a suburb of Adelaide in Australia. Okay. And, well, from, from what it seems is that he... They saw it as a suicide, and based on what's come, come since, it might have been a suicide. But they had no idea who the guy was, but uh, there's this... Uh, okay, so there's this article in uh, in the latest issue of Spectrum about this, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so this guy, who's, who's a, I guess, a professor and an engineer, uh, decided that he was going to try and figure this out, and uh, he, he did. He figured out who the... Uh, who the dead guy was through through various techniques, including including new DNA techniques that uh, that didn't work with the first time they tried to use I, uh, DNA to identify the guy because well because at that time they didn't realize you could get DNA from hair mm. and uh, well now now you can so. Uh, it's actually a pretty interesting read. I'm not doing a good job describing it. So this is. Uh, so I'm, ju I'm just going to leave. Let me huh? let me summarize for a second here. So this is a, a guy who washed up in the 40s, um, uh, corpse. Uh, that he didn't wash up. He was just found there on like he was. So he wasn't he in was the water. The retaining wall, right? He wasn't in the water. Okay, so he, he was, was like in a he was like in a sitting or curled up position by retaining wall of the beach. Okay. So uh, they, they couldn't identify him through all the traditional means. They couldn't find uh, anyone who knew him or could ID the body, and it was just kind of 
would they just keep his um, uh, his uh, body? Like, how do they how do they retain this uh, hair that they got the DNA off from? They they actually created a death mask of his head and shoulders. Okay, and the and some hairs were were stuck in the plaster. Okay, and uh, after they had pulled this hair out and then did some analysis, that they they you're saying they found a match to another piece of DNA that he's left somewhere else, or uh, from so there family. was that, but there was also they also did like three D model of uh, of him based on based on the death mask to try and. To try and like have a better idea of of how he looked because when they made the death mask it was already six months after he died mm. and in that time like you know even if you keep somebody on ice the body still changes like things <laughs> things sag and you know like if somebody dies sitting at a chair right all the blood drains into their ass and their feet mm. right sort of thing and so needed to do like a bit of reconstruction work to determine how he actually would have looked at the time he died rather than 6 months later. Hmm. And yeah, they found uh, they found hair in the uh, in the plaster of Paris and they were able to they were able to secure uh roots and shaft but at the time at the time and this was like only 10 years ago the like the common wisdom was that w- the shaft without root would be useless for DNA analysis. But in the mean t- in the time since, we've been able to figure out how to get the DNA get DNA that's useful for this out of uh, out of hair. Hmm. Out of ju- a, because just the shaft. When you're trying to when you're trying to ID. A particular person from their DNA, right? From from like a crime scene or something. It's a different. It's different uh, than when you're trying to get DNA so you can find like relatives and such. There's uh, the length. The lengths of the DNA segments that you want are different. Different areas you want to sample from, and so that's why that's why it worked in this particular case. Cool. What, I like that well, I triple yeah, spectrum stuff. Good treatment of uh good treatment of investigation. Mhm. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty interesting it's a pretty interesting read goes into goes into a lot of what they did to figure out uh not just who he was but reconstruct what led him to his death there on the beach. Oh, cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh what do you got serpent? All right, so you you came to me a couple of weeks ago, and you said you wanted to talk about radar. Yeah, uh, let me let me set you up a little bit. So I heard you yeah. on uh, I heard you on another podcast, and you were it came up that you had done some meteorology, and I thought that was fascinating, and I wanted to talk to you about that. But uh, in the back channel, we've been going back and forth a couple. Uh, uh, what is it? Been two weeks now. Been kind of half discussing uh, what we want to talk about on the show. Kind of briefly, right? Um, oh, hold on. Speaking of weather, uh, one of you guys forgot to change the settings on the fucking weather machine. <laughs> We're not supposed to get snow, and yet there's a whole bunch of it this afternoon, despite being sunny around lunchtime, and then again uh, just before the show. 
Mm. So which one which one of you is responsible for this? Fess up. Well, you had all four seasons in uh in uh the Toronto the what do they call it? The GTA this uh today I I heard. Yeah. So told. Yeah, like somebody which one of you has been fucking with the weather machine? That was not I. Uh, it must have been I, serpent then. I it mu- it must have been me. It must have been this VM that I that I made. So just to, to, to sort of you know set up what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks because of this. I've been doing a little bit of Linux work. I've had to make a new VM for this and all that. But I have installed on my machine a piece of software developed by the federal government of the United States, mm-hmm. along with Raytheon. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it, tell me, tell so me more. You've got, <laughs> yeah. So you've got the keys to the earthquake machine now, too, huh? Mm. Uh, uh po- not not quite, because uh, Unidata, which is a, 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 a sort of subset of UCAR, which does uh, uh, a lot of different atmospheric science research, uh, along with a. Uh, a bunch of different universities have sort of uh, deballed that uh, that part of the of the system. It's called AWIPS. Uh, nobody calls it by what the uh, uh, acronym stands for, but according to Unidata, it stands for the Advanced Weather Interactive Processing System. Again, no one calls it about calls it anything other than AWIPS, and it actually is. The software that is used by the National Weather Service to uh, to do uh, weather analysis just operationally, and apparently, uh, due to a, a FOIA request or or some kind of thing, the source code for this system was released to the public. Interesting. Oh, yeah, this is and, cool. Yeah. And, and and what Unidata has done is they've taken out sort of the the critical operational parts. So you, so in in the version so, used so by the net, those of us who download this, we can't activate Harp, unlike you. But you, can, uh, you we can't. Can at least, act, we can at least pretend. Yeah, I, you can't activate Harp. You also can't uh, uh, issue warnings or do any sort of diagnostics on the radars as well. And also, it kind of sort of doesn't work. <laughs> so first of all... Oh, wait a minute. So you're telling me the weather <laughs> prediction services that we use, uh, they don't work very well? What? Well, I, wow, I'm sure, news to me. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it works, and it probably works a little bit be- better on the National Weather Service uh, it works. It version. works for the. It works for the people who are like hiding in the basement levels of the Pentagon with the uh, with the proper license keys for the software. Yeah, or you know they're they're on the top floor of of some building, which is usually what happens. But yeah, so I I had to install uh, a CentOS version seven VM onto my onto my machine. And I went through hell. I went through three different hypervisors. The only one that seemed to work was VirtualBox. And it has to be either Red Hat version 7 or CentOS version 7, or else the thing doesn't even, uh, it doesn't even install. Like the install script given by Unidata, like, absolutely, like, tries to, it doesn't even 
want to acknowledge any other versions of Red Hat or CentOS or any other oh, yeah. distro of Linux that is based off of Red Hat. Mm-hmm. I know because I've tried. Uh, Baron Spudthamai says just edit slash etc slash Red Hat release. I haven't tried that, so I could I could probably figure that out, but... Again, I was anyway, trying to just let's fast forward yeah. a bit. So, what's what do you what can you do with the software? You, so, you tell us what you can't do. So, tell me what uh, what's it actually yeah. do. So, what it does is it act is it can um, it can pull in actual radar data from uh, the next rad system, the WSR eighty eight Ds, and you can view uh, you can view the data and all and even all of the dual pull data as well. Now, what what I say, it kind of so, sort of doesn't work. I gotta I gotta pull back here, and, and okay. so when you say dual pull data, you're talking about the the dual polarizations. Yeah, dual so, polarization. So so the the beams from the neck from the WSR eighty eight D, they have uh, two different polarizations. So horizontal and from from the what vertical. So so, so how about some background? Sorry. Sorry. So when you're I, looking at I, when you're looking I, at raindrops, um, yeah. Uh, I, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes if I talk about uh, some of these things for a second here, but I, I want to um, give the audience a little bit of their due here. So, yeah, if you, yeah, me, I don't know what the fuck you're look, talking about. Look at, at this point. <laughs> now, well, Cole well, Asset, you know what it's like to be your co host sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've yeah, got okay, it. Okay, and got me and, with that one. And, and I'm sorry, but also, like, Noah and the NWS, they just. Talking acronyms all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's the government for you. Yep. So, so this dual polarization idea is pretty interesting for um, finding precipitation uh, because the the idea of a raindrop. If you draw a cartoon of a raindrop, usually people draw something that looks like a teardrop, where there's a kind of all the waters at the bottom, and there's sort of a stem at the top, and it's and it's dropping. Um, uh, you you know like the traditional idea. It's kind of like the uh, the teardrops you put right next to your eggplant emoji when you're texting people, and that's really not what raindrops look like when they're falling. It's uh it's a little bit of a um, nope. misunderstanding. It, they it, it they're flat. They're oblate Actually. spheroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They 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 come out as more horizontal. Yeah. Now now the idea of the dual polarization. So so. Having the uh, vertical sort of reflectivity as well is to catch hail. So, it, so the idea is to differentiate rain from hail. Okay. And and so, if you had okay. a uh, a piece of hail, what's the shape of that? Is it uh, different from the shape of a, a unfrozen water drop? So, if it's a solid piece of hail, it appears as more uh, spherical. Okay. So say that the difference between uh, the the reflectivity, uh, the horizontal reflectivity, and the vertical reflectivity would be close to zero. Right. As opposed to say highly positive for uh, a raindrop. Right, and and this is just because when the the raindrop is falling, it doesn't look like a sphere; it looks like a squished sphere. If you took the top and bottom and squeezed it a little bit, and that's because the you know it's falling through um, through air, and so there's a force. You know, it's at terminal velocity, right? There's a drag force that's kind of squishing it, and what that does to the polarized radar wave is it makes it so the 
what you have to know about the scattering from spheres is that a vertically polarized wave kind of rolls around from the the top and the bottom of the particle that it's the particle it's scattering and and the horizontal wave kind of rolls around from left to right. And so it when when the shape changes and one of those paths is shorter than the other, the reflectivity changes too. Um and the time of arrival is slightly different too. So if you're looking at a a volume that has raindrops inside it and you look at the difference there's a total reflectivity and then you look at the difference between the two polarized responses you can find out if the the particles in the volume are frozen or not basically if yeah. they're falling okay and 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 sometimes if it's a if it's a say it's a hailstone and it's partially melted it can sort of contaminate in with uh the rain as well like it might like the radar might Pick it up as rain. And is this sometimes they show rain, snow, and sleet on your local weatherman's map? Is that that region between the two, or is it? Um, kind of. Th- there is also a, a a specific product that uh, is derived from all these different uh, all these different products that that can actually uh, determine a a hydrometeor classification is what's called. So it can try to figure it out based on, uh, based on temperature. Uh, well, it actually doesn't based on temperature, based on melting layer. Melting. Uh, I'm not familiar with what melting layer means. So melting layer is, I guess, effectively where, where you, uh, you transition from, uh, a completely, uh, frozen uh, layer into into uh, greater than frozen. So so it, it would be a, a transition between say snow and rain. Okay. And the way it shows up on radar is um, basically through uh, is uh, oh, if I'm trying to remember, I think mm. it's through. Uh, Differential reflectivity, so that's the difference between uh, the horizontal reflectivity and the vertical reflectivity. Hmm. So, what about um, things like uh, if I if I'm looking at a volume? I my understanding of, of this is a little rudimentary. I don't study atmosphere or, or anything, but my understanding is that if these particles are moving in one direction, they get a Doppler shift off from them, um, yep. proportional to their speed and the wavelength of the of the radar. That's that's illuminating them. Um, is that contained in this data set too? Do you get Doppler data too? Like velocity data? Or, yeah, or velocity. It could be Doppler or velocity, whatever yes. it is. Mm. Yes, and it's not quite exactly velocity. It's it's actually a portion of the velocity. So it's only the portion that uh, along a radial. Great. So we we would call that slant range rate, but there's. That's for a different, yeah. <laughs> different thing. So yeah, because the Doppler shift, if you're looking at something that's moving, um, the or let's say you're standing out on uh, the street corner, twirling your chain as you do, and the ambulance drives by, classic Doppler source, and as it's mm-hmm. driving towards you, you hear a certain amount of Doppler shift, and as it's driving away from you, you hear uh, uh, a Doppler shift in different direction, and so the pitch is modulating with the... Uh, at, with the relative speed, with the, uh, it's really the closing velocity, the same way. right? If you were on the ambulance, you wouldn't hear that. And because your, uh, velocity with respect to the sound source is zero, 
So there's a uh, there's some that has to be considered too for uh, for radar. You're always trying to find out what portion of the velocity is towards the radar. And it can be a little tricky sometimes because now you have to wonder which way is it moving? What's the what's its absolute position? You know, yeah. Um, uh, and find those unit vectors and project them onto each other. And okay, but that's neither here nor there. We don't have to do that. We have a piece of software that does it for us. Uh, yes. What do you know where this data is coming from? Is it? Uh, I, I realize it's coming from different radar stations, but what's the path that? It goes, so we have a radar that's actually doing a reflectivity measurement, and then that data is digitized and on near some computer near the radar, and then it gets yep. on the internet? Like, what's... And then it gets... Well, it gets onto these uh, specialized servers. Okay. So, so an another part of this uh, software, you know, this whole software package, AWIPS, is called EDEX, so that it has this... Uh, so it's the server that actually serves up this data. Okay. Um, and there is a community uh, EDEX server that apparently is hosted uh, at UCAR, and you could just uh, you could just plug into. You know, UCAR. I prefer LCAR. Uh, uh, I don't know. LCARS. LCARS. There you go. That's the yeah. Mexican version of the cars. Yeah, it's with an it's with an S. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's the, it's the user interface for the Enterprise D. Ah, yes. L cars. Mm -hmm. Oh but, well. But un unfortunately, Just I found showing that... again once. <laughs> All right, go yeah. ahead, Serpent. We keep interrupting you with stupid oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I I, I have found that uh, this uh, EDEX system that. Uh, or the EDEX server that Unidata puts up saying, oh, you can, you can go to here. It doesn't, doesn't uh, also serve up uh, satellite or METAR data, which is a little annoying. Hmm. What's, uh, what's the satellite data you'd be looking for? What kind of data would that be? Uh, so that would be the, the satellite data that comes off of the uh, uh, geostationary ones that say are over... Uh, I don't remember what the Is numbers it, are these days, but it's the ones that that go over the uh, the conus. Like there's one over the uh, Atlantic Ocean, and that's you know you could see you could see the eastern half of North America, and you can also see the uh, Atlantic Basin. Yep. And then there's another one that monitors the eastern pacific and the western half and of the is this a, a visible light camera or infrared or uh, what kind of it's monitoring visible it? infrared a whole bunch of different channels of infrared including uh uh water vapor channels okay as well what's the water vapor uh what's the meaning of water vapor channel for infrared just for uh, it, you would so there are actually a couple of different channels for different layers of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea of having uh, water vapor uh, measurements is to, is to see the, the motion of, uh, of moisture that to go across the jet stream and whatnot. Because uh, the reason that we have weather is because we have a, uh, water vapor that rises and then it condenses and 
uh, you make clouds and okay. all of that. And and this water vapor is is it is it a particular infrared frequency because it's a, a the same temperature or which that's what um, I'm I'm, I'm well, presuming well, is uh, well ultim- ultimately the different channels are based on different levels of the atmosphere like like I think one channel it might be for around. Uh, one channel might be for around three kilometers, another one for five, and another one for seven kilometers or so. In, but is the difference just the difference in temperature then? If it's different infrared wavelengths, that's what I'm. I'm that's kind of how I'm understanding yeah, this. Yeah, I yeah, sure it, right. it, yeah. It would be for different temperatures. So it, where the water vapor would be cooler, you'd have a different wavelength than if it was warmer. It's like the the black body yeah, temperature. Yeah, if it, if, it, if it was cooler, it would be higher up in the atmosphere. Right, and and, and then, so it would have a different wavelength. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Awesome. That's I've and, I've learned something. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, and and in, and in fact, when you see a like an infrared from from satellite, the uh, the cooler temperatures are just in general higher up in the atmosphere. Okay. What um, I I've been struggling with some atmospheric um, models, even. Uh, just stuff like um, a model of air pressure uh, versus altitude. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of different ones you can choose from where some of them are basically like polynomial. Like I tell you the temp, I'm going to tell you the temperature and humidity and, uh, and pressure maybe at the surface. And then I want to extrapolate that up to 10,000 feet, you know, in, in a big column of air. And I've well, been well, fascinated that- with trying to find a, a, good model that's that does that well and i can't find uh can't find one that i really it seems straightforward that that also depends on the whole vertical profile of the atmosphere at that point because say if it's if it's a uh it roughly based on the humidity but based on uh uh the profile of uh, water vapor. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different lapse rates for. What's a lapse rate? Lapse lapse rate is basically uh, just the derivative of um, temperature with height. Okay. And if you were to say take a parcel of air of a of a different uh, of of some amount of geophysical quantities and you try to raise it uh up in height the the uh lapse rate for if it's a saturated air parcel and if it's an unsaturated air parcel are different and by saturated are you talking about humidity saturated um yeah, yeah, humidity. I, I apologize so, if I'm asking rudimentary questions, so, but I'm, I am sorry. actually really dumb on some of this stuff. Sorry, uh, I, I, I need to try to remember. I, 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 <laughs> I get, I get excited because I, because I'm with nerdy people and I just talk nerdy. Um, but, but yeah, saturated would be if the air temperature and the dew point temperature are roughly the same. Okay. Jeez, what about? Um... Now I've been interested in refraction for for a while for various different reasons. Uh, I think uh, Sir Seatsitter is interviewing a flat earther tonight. Hmm, interesting. Yes, but, he is. <laughs> I, know, I know. I, I he, he, he planned just, it. Wow, he planned it this way. I bet. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, 
I saw that and I was just like, wow, that that uh, contrasts uh, <laughs> interestingly with this show. So I've been interested in 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 some of this is like I'm sideways uh, asking asking questions that might be useful for something that I've been working on, but the um, refraction which, from through atmosphere. Uh, depends on a lot of these properties. It's kind of my interest in some of this. and It's the reason that I've been actually reading some books on atmospheric propagation of radar waves. I found out there is a, um, a guy named Geiger, uh, Adolf Geiger, who my, I guess my father used to know him back uh, before he passed away. And he wrote books on the propagation of electromagnetic waves through atmosphere. Uh, and did just, he was a PhD, you know, did it. And he Published extensively with a couple other people. I, I think I've met him when I was a like a child once. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm going through some of his uh, his old books, and it's kind of kind of fun to uh, to think about these um, possibilities of just because of the refraction, you know, being able to launch a wave and then then have it just follow the curvature of the Earth in a duct. Um, this is something they were blaming on radio interference. I believe in it was an NPR station, and it might have been in New York. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, the details, but it was two stations in different cities that should have been far enough away that they can't interfere with each other. If you'd use a first approximation, you know, oh, well, I've just got spreading loss, and uh, I don't consider atmospheric anything. Anyway, atmospheric absorption is just going to help me, right? So... I should be better than than my first approximation. And what happened was due to certain conditions, they started getting one station bleeding over into a, another station's uh, territory because the um, pressure gradient uh, was set up in such a way that it acted like a waveguide. Uh, and I just, I, I've only recently become aware of maybe in the last, a uh, couple years of, of some of these phenomena. I just never had thought about them before I uh, moved to Ohio and picked up this new uh, new gig. But it's uh, just weather in general. Uh, you know how do the, how do all these particles that make up the the gas in the atmosphere, you know, interact with a radar wave? It's just it, it's deep, man. You can get go down some rabbit holes with just just simple models of uh, of. Uh, you know, a volume of gas and what happens when you when you pass an electromagnetic wave through it. I'm I'm very interested on knowing about uh, electrical waves when passing gas. <laughs> Wait, that's that's a bit different, isn't it? All right. Now, cold acid has has discovered something here, which is a need for levity. Uh, we try to have a fun show here, so uh, yeah. Then you guys well, have well, gotten like I'm I'm like sitting here just absolutely clueless uh, right. a lot of this radar talk is like way above my pay grade well, we've got to we've got to have it's some, a little above my pay grade too we got to have some technical the, uh, content you know it's fun i'm sure there's someone yeah. out there who's like they've got the bug in their ear now you know they now they want to go look it up and learn about it so yeah then they're they're gonna and, listen to another one of our episodes thinking that it's <laughs> that it's much the same and boy are they in for a surprise hey, we're gonna talk about dog farts and cat piss today <laughs> that's all well, we do luckily, luckily if you ever wanted to get into the gory details of weather radar particularly the weather radar used by the national weather service uh they or if actually, we just want to know what cat piss looks like on a radar <laughs> screen well, okay that too uh sidebar yes 
any kind of biological thing does show up on radar. So that they've seen like it, like at the Austin, Texas radar, where like they have the bats that come out of the cave. Oh yeah, that does show up on radar. Mm. Cool. Um, so then, they, on radar, you could tell when uh, when Dracula uh, arises to suck people's blood because of the bats. No, you out of the castle. no, you can't though. Uh, unfortunately, for the radar, um, there's no reflection. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey But yeah, if you wanted to know any all the gory details of how radar works, the, the National Weather Service actually has like a a bunch of training modules that you can just, you know, go through. Now you won't get recognized by the National Weather Service as being trained on this without you know, being <laughs> really you know, so. So they're gonna say, "Oh, you went through our training materials." <laughs> he bet he probably knows nothing. He knows less yeah, well, now. Well, yeah. Well, well, they won't. They won't recognize it unless you're hired by them, and you know, you go through like sort of hands-on sort of things. But but you can go through basically uh, what is a bunch of powerpoints. Um, yeah, I, I can. I I enjoyed this. This link is in the show notes. Uh, I put it next to the, uh, it's weather training radar and applications course, and it has some uh, pretty detailed stuff in there. I was clicking through it while uh, Cold Acid was streaming before the show, and they have storm structure and evolution. They have velocity interpretation of stuff. Some of those I have to go back and I just want to look at it myself. Um, and then some other, you know, details about the the radars that they actually use, which I need to learn more about uh, for my own yeah, education, you know? It looks like yeah, comprehensive every, stuff, though. Every gory detail you want to know. And yes, if you're going to be a, a, a general forecaster at the National Weather Service, you have to go through this. Mm. And yeah, you'll get lost for weeks in this. <laughs> I, I, I will warn you. Mm. All right, I think we've bored cold acid uh, completely. <laughs> what do you What do you got cold? What do you want to talk about? We can. Uh, oh God, yes. We can throw something on. Oh, there. I want. I want to talk. I want to talk shows. I want to talk shows right now. Okay. And I'm going to start that off with an article that showed up. It's from 2021, but it just popped up for some reason on Hacker News today about one of my favorite TV shows. And it asks the question, and unlike, unlike normal, you know, normally when a headline for an article asks a question, the answer is no. This is the exception that proves the rule, because what it asks is, is Babylon 5 secretly the most influential TV show of the past 25 years? And you know, you want to know why I say the answer is yes? Uh, no. <laughs> you want to know, right? Well, I guess I want to know. Well, you're going to find out. I'm going to tell you anyways. Okay. Yeah. Because of Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, the BSG remake, they all followed the same sort of dramatic path that Babylon 5 did, moving from purely episodic TV to ongoing storylines where if you miss something, unlike a soap opera, you've missed something. Because, you know, when with soap operas, yeah, they've got a story that continues from episode to episode, but they do that in such a way that 
the ladies who are watching it, right, they can go off and they can cook supper or they can take care of the baby. And when they come back, no matter how much of the show they've missed, they wouldn't have actually missed anything because it's going to be discussed for the next two weeks on the series anyway. <laughs> yes, okay, right? yes. Whereas you've got other shows like Classic Trek and even Next Generation where generally at the end of the episode, everything resets. And so like you can watch it all out of order and it still makes perfect sense, right? Yep. No progression, no progression at all. Yeah. yeah, Babylon 5 is where real story progression... Uh, first started really showing up in American TV. And from there, thanks to Hollywood essentially being the source for film and television, right? Picking up on what J. Michael Straczynski did with Babylon 5 brought us into like a golden age of television storytelling. Yes. That's the answer, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes is the answer okay and yeah i mean like straczynski he's he's done some uh he's done some amazing stuff like he 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 was a veteran of like various 80 car 80s cartoons he wrote episodes of murder she wrote mm. he's also been he's also been writer for for like spider-man the comic book spider-man uh some time ago and other comics so yeah, this guy has been this guy's definitely been around the block and when he had the chance to do Babylon 5 despite despite the interference that uh that happened from levels above him uh especially with how the 4th season ended up being crammed with everything that was supposed to be in the 5th season uh because they were going to cancel after the fourth season, and then they went, no, actually, we'll give you your fifth season after all, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, there, it it had troubled production, right? But even then, like, those first four seasons, and, I mean, he had to ask Paul some other stuff for the fifth season to, that, yeah, it felt, uh, it felt padded and everything, but, I mean, it still ended up, like, it was... Uh, fuck it was it was it was Westeros in space, hmm. right? It was it was amazing, epic story, and yeah, like it was it definitely like brought us into into the uh, into the golden age of uh, of television storytelling. I I have to say, hmm. yeah, I enjoyed so, yeah, it. That that was. That was a pretty nice thing. And yeah, Babylon 5, it was a great show. And I think anybody who hasn't watched it, but is, is at all interested in, in epic storytelling or sci-fi, needs to get themselves, like, the DVDs. Uh, I, would, I don't even know if it's available on Blu-ray, but if it is, I know that it hasn't been... It has not been, like, remastered for high def. Uh... One of the reasons for that being that they lost all the CG data, mm. and so they weren't able to re-render the CG for high definition. <laughs> and there was a lot. There was a lot. And I mean, it was it was early to mid '90s, so it wasn't like it wasn't like CG as you see it t these days. It was very obvious uh, 3D graphics, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, a little rough. 
Yeah. No. It, not just a little rough, but like, I mean, no, it was, it was like the opposite problem. Everything was smooth. And you know what happens when things are smooth. Light shines off of them. So everything's shiny and reflective instead of like having a proper, you know, actual sort of like gritty real yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's all lens flares they and font shading, have, man. They didn't have, yeah, they didn't have things like normal maps and, and the like back then, mm. right? To direct where the light goes. Yep. Now I you but still a great show. Great Battle show the Battlestar Galactica remake. I watched some of that uh, recently, and that one the the CG actually holds up pretty well. Maybe in the the um, miniseries, it's a it's a little bit hokey. But then when you get to the series, there's all of the stuff in space holds up really well. And I think they had a better budget for for the full series. They did. That'd be why. But my. My actual favorite thing about it, I couldn't pin down why I liked it so much, um, and I it's just it gave me a good feel when I was watching it. Like it felt cohesive, and I think it's the costumes beyond the Maybe. writing. So the the writing's pretty good because it kind of drops you in, and, and you know stuff's happening around. They don't explain what every acronym that every, someone in the show says. It just happens around you. You have to figure out. Um, kind of what the um, the organizational structure of the Galactica is. Uh, the, so they don't bore you with it, but it's there. Like, if you're paying attention, you notice that there's a structure um, for when one person gets an order from another person, you know, how do they handle that? How does it get distributed? It's like it makes sense. But beyond that, the, the um, uniforms are and the costume design, even when they're not in uniform, are just really good. Yeah, even though I don't like it because I was just, like, a big fan of... I mean, like, I know how ridiculous campy it was, but the original BSG... God. And I don't... I didn't like that it became this, like, dark, serious thing. And speaking of which, uh, it's like... I don't, I don't know. I don't think Ronald D. Moore is involved in it, but that new Bel Air series is essentially... The BSG remakeification of Fresh Prince, uh, based on based on the radio spots that I've heard for it over the past few weeks, it's like this was this was a fucking sitcom. This was a fucking sitcom. The American uh, American live action equivalent of your slice of life anime, right? And uh, and now they're turning it into like this dark, serious sort of thing. It's like. No, this, like, if Will Smith was dead, would he be spinning in his grave sort of thing? Like, it's this is not Fresh Prince at all. This is, like, this is, like, the anti-Fresh Prince. And okay. hearing these spots, just, like, my, my like, 90s inner child was dying. Okay, I need to know something. As someone who has just now discovered that there was a remake of Fresh Prince, I've... <laughs> I've just learned this in real time. You want to know what the number one question I have? What? Who, who's playing Carlton? I don't I wanna, even know. I want to know Carlton. Is did they get a good guy? Oh, to play we're Carlton? gonna have to look that up then. Ah. So the show the show is called Bel Air. Or okay, right? sure. Is Carlton in it? I don't know. I just I'm, uh, I'm pulling up I'm pulling up IMDb right now. Okay. And but you know Carlton was the best character in that show. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Carblaze gets it. He is the yeah. best character, yeah. Uncle Phil. I don't know. I was never an Uncle Phil fan. Carlton was where it was at. It's he kind of knew it was up. Series writing credit. Series cast. Uh, 
Will Smith is like, oh no, here we go. Does Will uh, Smith play Uncle What's uh, no, Jabari Uncle Banks? Jabari Banks plays Carl- Will Smith. Well, who plays Carlton? Ollie Sholotan. Who's that? I don't know. Is he look Coco like Carlton? Jones as Hillary Banks? What, what was his name? Adrian Holmes as uh, as Uncle Phil. Cold acid. Carlton. Yeah. How? What was his name again? <laughs> Ollie Sholotan. Sholotan. I'm I'm putting it in the chat. I'm putting Ollie it in the chat. Sholotan. Is he Jewish? Nigerian American actor, singer, Whoa. and music producer. He doesn't look like Carlton. He looks like, uh, you know, he looks like a music producer. Doesn't look like Carlton. He was in a short in 2018 called Partying with Communists. Carlton was too cool for this guy. Nope. Yes, Carlton was so uncool, he rolled back to being cool again. (laughs) Carlton, this, uh, this is a travesty. It's absolutely a travesty. You can't do this. You can't do this to Carlton. I just posted oh, a picture. I, we have a, we have a, I think we have a possible show title now. <laughs> Too cool for Carlton. No, no, it's not. Uh, this is an injustice. In Bel Air, no less. Well, I've been to Bel Air before. Uh, it was Bel Air, Pennsylvania. Hey! Uh, hey. <laughs> but I did take a picture with uh, Cotton Gin there. We actually stopped in front of the sign, welcome to Bel Air or some shit like that. And, uh, and somewhere there's a picture of us nice. sitting there together. Oh, <laughs> God. Yes. All right. Um, we're... I do I do have another, I do have another not TV, but anime rundown to do. Because, I mean, it is just before the start of the next season. Right. Here's here's what I so want to do. Got... Here's what I want to do. I want to do podcasts. I want to get them out of the way. And I want to hit one okay, more thing. And then I'll do the same... And then I'll do the same sort of rundown like you do for the podcast for these shows that I just want to I just want to wow. shout out about. I and I want to make sure we give uh, Serpent a chance. So do you have anything left, Serpent? What do you got? Not really. All right, we're gonna do podcast rundown. So Hog Story had episode three hundred forty-five. So much creamers, and that was on Monday. Uh, Behind the Schemes did their one ep- episode one hundred forty-five. Big more pages, more stories. Oh, hi, Henry Kissinger. That was presumably on uh, on uh, Monday. Also, I did not catch that one live. Grumpy old Ben. Oh hi Henry. Oh hi Henry. Grumpy old Ben's had episode two sixteen. Bemrose biometrics. <laughs> that that was actually uh, <laughs> from last week, I think. <laughs> okay, so I was cleaning up uh, around the house over the uh, weekend, and I found some slips of paper that had some old rare encounter show notes. They were Uh-oh. from single, uh, maybe two-digit episodes. You know, it's like 12 or 14 or something like that. Uh, real early on stuff. And on one side of the note was a handwritten grocery list for some shit that I was supposed to buy back then. And on the other side, it had a list of, like, anime and do this. And then the last line, the last line on this rundown, handwritten show notes for the show said, Destroy Bemrose in my handwriting. <laughs> and... I don't remember. I don't remember writing this shit. But uh, apparently, the Manchurian podcaster. It was there. I I guess someone wrote that on my paper. It looked like my handwriting, though. I guess I was. I can't remember why. Apparently, I was mad at him, and I can't remember why. 
So I threw that out because I know how kill lists work. Uh, you don't want anyone else to see them. So uh, anyway, that's my... Put it through the shredder twice. <laughs> yes. Uh, bowl After Bowl did episode 234. These are coming. And uh, Dad's Anime Podcast, episode oh 106, with the title. I know Cold Acid's about to tell you it's not a title, okay? But I'm preconditioning you. This is the title, okay? It's Full Metal's It's a list of best- topics. I'm going to try again. Full Metal's best anime list, comma, part 13, semicolon, video, comma, capital O, of course, semicolon, Dad's audition, semicolon, rap music. Done. Um, no, the not title. Dad's Additions. His addiction. Dad's addiction. There's a difference between auditions and addiction. <laughs> Maybe he's addicted. <laughs> a big difference. Maybe he's, he's addicted to semicolons. Apparently. Maybe it's his additions, <laughs> and he's addicted to math. I could be. I could don't be. Know. <laughs> All right. And I'm addicted to spuds. <sighs> you know, Oregon uh, just named the potato their uh, their uh, state uh, vegetable. Did you know that? Oregon named. You you would think that would be Idaho's, not Oregon's. Well, it's or Ida, you know, it's both of them. Yeah, okay, sure. And so well, the- well, I mean, the site, this side of the mountains, right, of Oregon, <laughs> is part of is really like properly, uh, just Greater Idaho. Yeah, I do like Idaho. I've been there. Did you know it smells like potatoes? I must have told you. I would you this not before. be surprised. It smells like that. If you get a sack of potatoes, okay, from Orida, and it has a smell to it, that smell is the smell of Idaho dirt. So it's technically not a smell of potatoes. It's the smell of the dirt there, but it's a very I distinct. I do like the smell of dirt. I have to say, it's a nice smell. On Wednesday last I'm week. I'm not even joking. On Wednesday last week, while we were like, doing well, a show, Oregon like State. Dirt just has this, you know, this lovely smell. Okay. The Oregon Senate adopted a resolution declaring the official state vegetable as a potato. Resolution 3, sponsored by Senator Bill Hansel, uh, aims to recognize the potato as the official state vegetable. Okay, what you're forgetting... yeah, I'm what you're Gretel? forgetting is the the caption here for this photo of him is is absolutely amazing. Okay, why don't you read it? All eyes on me, the potato seems to say, as Oregon State Senator Bill Hansel asks his fellow lawmakers, tuber or not tuber? That is the question. <laughs> okay. It's dumb. Uh, <laughs> hey, Serpent, do you like potatoes? Uh, yes, I do. Good. You're in good company. <laughs> All right, cold acid. <laughs> Play me out. Let's All uh, right. get this so, yeah, get this show done. New anime season starts, and I've picked out uh, like I'm watching more than just these, but these are my top seven new shows to what pick, did, and I'm just gonna. I thought it was gonna be your top twenty-two. <laughs> no, just top seven. God. Okay. I'm, like I said, I'm it. not reading out all of them. I'm just oh, picking no, just seven. Uh, seven of the best of the best ones that aren't sequels to previous shows. I, I, I'll do so my seven off. my seven favorite things to order at McDonald's next. How about that? Seven. <laughs> all right, seven. Yeah, just go go. I'm sorry. All right. So starting off with Megami no Cafe Terrace, or in English, the Cafe Terrace and its goddesses, and. My short one-liner for this is Seo Koji, the guy behind Suzuka, Kimi no Irumachi, and Fuka, gets yet another adaptation of one of his sign-in rom-com mangas. Next up is Rokudo no Onatachi, or Rokudo's Bad Girls, and this is a series about a geek who's cursed that 
Any delinquent girl who looks at him falls in love with him. Hilarity and no shortness of violence ensues. The next one is Kimi wa Hokago Insomnia or Insomniacs After School. And this is a uh, this is a slice of life uh, gliding into romance very slowly about two high school students with insomnia who meet in their school's observatory. Yes, their high school has an observatory complete with like the uh, the telescope for looking at the stars. Jeez. Next, yeah, that's a pretty cool school. Let me tell you, I would have loved if my high school had an observatory. I probably would have stayed in it. <laughs> Next up is Yushigashinda, or the legendary hero is dead. Humanity's hope against the demon hordes dies from a simple pitfall trap, and a Nisox-obsessed horn dog takes his place. This show has no shortage of anime titty and thick thighs. Okay. Yeah. Next one is Kizuna no Alal, and this is a sh this is a show where, inspired by Kizuna Ai, a bunch of virtual girls gather at a virtual school to learn how to be the next generation of virtual idols. That sounds like shit. Yeah, but I'm just I mean, put that out there. it has Kizuna Ai in it, and I am I am horny for Kizuna Ai. I even have art books of her, so yeah. <laughs> so yes, it's on my it's my it's on my watching list because because of that. Uh, second last is Boku no Kokoro no Yabai Yatsu, also known as The Dangers in My Heart, and I've been reading the manga of this for quite some time. And it's a, it's about a delusional antisocial middle schooler who becomes the romantic target of the class idol. And, and last but not least. Jishun wo shirenai tenkosei ga guigui kuru, or My Clueless First Friend. And this is a show with a gloomy girl who is the bully target of her class, being continually dragged into the sunshine of her youth by a clueless transfer student. Alright, is it over? Can I come out of my cave? Yep, that. Yep, <laughs> there we go. So I'm saying, yeah, take a, take a watch at least the first few episodes of those. I might drop Kiznono LL uh, if it is like total shit, but since it has Kizna I in it, I need to watch at least the first episode. All right. Well, that's your anime wrap for this year. We'll tune in, <laughs> get back to you sometime in 2024. No, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, the next, the next one will be three months from now. All right. We got some people sending boostgrams during the show. We've got eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight sats from Carolyn, boosting the live show. Uh, saying original Carlton is what's up. Uh, right before that, actually, we got a nice big boost from a big booster. Hey, citizen, sixteen thousand nine hundred sixty-nine sats. He says hi. And hi, hey, citizen. Hi, 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 hi. Hey, how's it going, guy? Mm. Do we have any better <laughs> high sound effects? I mean, I don't know. I don't think I have anything saying hi. Uh, yeah, hi. we need to get a, we need to get an ISO of uh, of Gilladu saying hi. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. No, I don't have any voice uh, clips, unfortunately. Let's see. We also have eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight sats. That's a quad boob, octo boob, according to Sir again, again from Carolyn, who says, and yeah, she's asking actually asking a question to you, Serpent. Which character did you like from Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Oh, I don't know. I, I did not watch enough of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to actually be able to answer that question. Carlton. 
Just say Carl. Carlton. Just say Carlton. Okay, Carlton. All right, there we go. That's hey! what we want to hear. Uh, that's a great way to end the, end the show here. So, yeah, this has been a lot of fun, Serpent. Thanks for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for yeah. I have to get you back on Letting sometime. Let me invade. <laughs> yeah. But until next time, uh, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. And I've been Serpent. So, stay fruity, boys. See you next week. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't sad?